You're listening to Gear Disrupted. What's up, listeners? Welcome to episode 22 of the podcast, Year Disrupted, where our mission is, of course, to encourage and inspire people to live and work abroad through practical tips, actionable insights, and real-life stories. Now, we have another fantastic interview lined up for you today. We are so excited to introduce our guest, Taylor Wallace, who will be talking about why it's so important to be clear on your intentions and tuned into yourself when it comes to earning your own income, running a business, and of course, traveling the world. Now, Taylor was one of the many fantastic people we met in Medellin, and she is a woman of many talents. Not only is she an incredible athlete, but she speaks several languages while currently teaching herself Japanese. And she started her first company, which she eventually sold just shortly out of college. Taylor now runs another business, The Fit Founder, while completely optimizing her lifestyle to suit her location-independent goals. In her business, she collaborates with executives and entrepreneurs, startups, and co-working, co-living spaces in the area of strategy, innovation, and mindset. Taylor has been doing this digital nomad thing for a while, so she knows full well what to do and what not to do when it comes to making this lifestyle work for you. We're truly excited to dive deep into Taylor's brain today and get some incredible insights that I know will help you, whether you're a business owner, whether you're thinking about starting a business or really considering this lifestyle and how it might work out for you. One quick thing to note, guys, the audio quality in certain parts of this episode isn't great. We had some connectivity issues, but regardless, this episode is still very valuable. You should give it a listen right now, so sorry about that. Without further ado, here's Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you on here today. Hey, guys. Really excited to be here. Yeah, and Taylor is coming to us all the way from Baltimore, which is where she is right now. We all met each other in Medellin where we were doing our first stops as digital nomads. Um, But Taylor has been really killing it at the whole digital nomad and um, traveling boss and entrepreneur thing for a while. So Taylor, as you know, we like to inspire our listeners uh, with real life stories of people who are killing it, who have unique perspectives to add and stories. So do you mind kind of telling us a little bit about your professional experience as a digital nomad, about how long you've been uh, working remotely and and what type of work you do? For sure. Um, So I'll start from not the beginning, the beginning, but I guess the nomadic beginning. Um, So I came up, I guess, in more of the startup space. So I started a company about two years out of college. Um, that started to get some traction. Um, at the time, I was living in Boston. <laughs> um, and once we got to a point where we realized we really had something, uh, we were accepted into a business accelerator program based out of Newark, um, Newark, New Jersey. And so we moved from Boston down to New York City to go to this accelerator in Newark. And it really helped us like fine tune our business and our, you know, our abilities to be strong leaders and kind of have like you know vision for our teams. But it also spent a lot of time helping us get more clear on our personal, I guess, our personal legacies. You know, what is that thing that we want to say that we did? Like, what, what is the epithet? 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 I think that's yeah. the word. You know, that we want to have on our tombstones and not just building the business, but building ourselves. And by the time I graduated from that program, my company had grown a lot. Our entire team is already remote. So even though we were in New York in fashion, um, specifically in like predictive analytics, so machine learning meets uh, fashion discovery. Oh, okay. um, And so completely remote team. I'm sitting here in my apartment in New York, like looking for a new place, like where do we want to move? Do we want to move back to Boston? Do we want to move? But uh, having spent so much time, like getting more clear, like what I was passionate about and like what made me happy. I'm like looking at these fucking rent prices in Boston. I'm like, $2,500 for like a one bedroom studio, like not even in the city center. Like that's, that's absurd. Um, you know, looking at the, the rent prices in New York and I'm thinking about like, 
that's literally the salary for like two of my employees for a whole month. And I'm going to pay that to like, I just really like a lot of my perceptions had been challenged by some of like the personal work that I'd done through the accelerator program. And it was around this time that I got like a perfectly timed curated ad from remote year, um, which is, you know, one of the top digital nomad or was one of the top digital nomad uh, coordination companies. And I saw it. I'm like, what, this is a thing. Like there are people who can work different places in the world and like not fail (laughs) or not be poor or not like, you know, dirty hippie hobos. Or like I had all these stories in my mind of like what kind of Americans could live abroad. So either Mm -hmm. super rich expats or they're just hoboing around. And so as I started to do some more research into remote year, I'm like, this looks pretty cool. But then I saw the price tag and I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, you know, the itineraries usually um, are broken down into regions of the world, whether you do a 12 month or four month. And I noticed that for a lot of the itineraries, I didn't feel like I needed my handheld by mm-hmm. anyone, let alone, you know, some company to feel comfortable there. You know, I, yeah. um, I come from you know, Brazilian heritage and fluent in Portuguese, fluent in Spanish. Like let me, once I get my curls on and popping, like when I leave the country, I'm not even an American. Like it's at that <laughs> point where I'm like, oh, so Brazil, so like I just have to like my traveling persona. So remote year really opened the door or my mind. Um, but I made the decision. I had some conversations with them of like, maybe we could, and they kind of weren't budging. Um, so I said, fuck it. You know, I've, you know, both in my decision to study abroad years prior to that, my decision to quit my corporate job and start my company a year prior to that. And this same decision. Similarly, I was like, you know what? Really smart. I'm open heart, open mind, good vibes. I'm sure it's going to work itself out. I'm going to do this. Um, And so on New Year's Eve, so yeah, December 31st, 2017, boarded a flight to Buenos Aires. um, And that was my first digital nomad city. Um, I spent my first four months in South America with a plan to do four months in South America, four months in Europe, and four months in Asia. Okay. Um, All the while working on my startup. Fast forward to April of 2018, got a call or an email that turned into a call. Fast forward two weeks, sold my company. I was now wow. fun employed. <laughs> uh, so like living in Medellin at the time and realizing that I kind of structured my whole year around like this is a roadmap for my business and this mm-hmm. is you know how we're going to be making different product iterations. And it all kind of had circled around the thing that was no longer my thing. Were so, you prepared to sell your company or was it like totally random and you had to act quick or how did that come about? Oh no, I was not prepared to sell my company. Um, the decision to move a startup, one remote and two remote outside of the country. I mean, any investor, any seasoned entrepreneur or CEO is going to tell you that's probably not a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. Because as anyone who's ever started I mean, even if you're like fucking printing t-shirts or, you know, even like, I don't know, making websites online or something that's, I guess, the other end of the spectrum of starting, you need to be like laser focused on what you're trying to build because there Mm -hmm. are just so many obstacles that if you are not operating at a hundred percent like focus, like it will chew you up and spit you out. Like you need Mm -hmm. to be at like the peak of your mental and emotional and like physical game, you know, to have a chance. Like what is it? 99% of startups fail or something, you know, some Mm -hmm. high number like that. And so to choose a lifestyle that is so inherently uncertain, you know, look at us in Medellin, you know, I have friends that had like six month leases before coronavirus dropped. And they're like, sucks <laughs> you know yeah, you're gonna like go. you're gonna ride it here or lose that money so that's just one of the many examples of the risks that we take as digital nomads you know trying the, the difference between a 6 a.m flight and a noon flight is 400 dollars, but you have to be on a call with a client at this time so there's all these things that just yeah if you don't have that foundation can really sink your business but I could kind of like see the storm clouds on the horizon mm-hmm. um, when I was living stateside. 
of just realizing how disillusioned I had become, you know, mm -hmm. moving from Boston right out of college, being around all of my friends, getting way overpaid to do a pretty basic job as a millennial. And I could like mm -hmm. almost like see my future self. Yeah. And it was we know how that feels. Yeah. Just like, right. You know, it's like, like oh. you, you see what kind of person you become when you stay on that path for 10 years. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and for me, it was fucking terrifying. I yeah, was like, again, you know. Well. Yeah. Um, and so, in terms of selling the company, I say I wasn't prepared because, you know, looking back on it, nothing about that process really allowed me to be as prepared as a as a CEO or as an, mm -hmm. as a business owner should be. Mm -hmm. So all I could do was, you know, like my investors gave me their opinion or my advisors gave me their opinion, but I own my company right out. So it was kind of mm -hmm. like, thanks for your two cents. I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I was really candid with my team. Mm -hmm. and I thought you know, that was an important distinction to make of, you know, having everyone on the same page of like, this is what I feel compelled to do. This is my vision and how I can see the business still growing and moving forward. But mm -hmm. I acknowledge we are taking a huge risk and mm -hmm. my feelings will not be hurt if this is not the amount of risk that you're comfortable taking right yeah. now with your, with your business and your, your own professional growth. Um, so to summarize this, as we started traveling, we started to run into some new obstacles, specifically with our technology. Um, mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, it was a machine learning platform that we leveraged to help um, curvy and plus size women discover fashion. So we worked mm -hmm. with a lot of brands and boutiques and retailers that um, created, uh, you know, that, that styled exclusively plus size clothes using exclusively plus size models and like using a user swiping behavior, kind of like Tinder, we would okay. use like a bunch of meta cool. tags to create like a profile of their taste. Um, so the umbrella term for this space would be, I guess, like, you know, um, computer vision or one level mm -hmm. below that is like deep learning neural networks. And that's the same technology that fuels like self-driving cars and mm -hmm. fuels like pretty much all the big projects that Google and Amazon and Tesla and like space, like all of these major companies, Facebook, like they're all working on the same shit mm -hmm. with a whole bunch more money than we had. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> within like two weeks of us um, going remote, it became very clear that we were really falling behind um, mm -hmm. in, in our space in terms of our ability to keep our product relevant with what our users had come to expect because, mm -hmm. like, okay, if, if Google can recognize this image, why can't you? If this, yeah, so right. I could see Things in our product so quickly in that world. It's, yeah. It's insane. Um, and so basically I had mapped it out and from where we were in February, so within like one month of getting to Columbia, we had about a six month roadmap financially mm -hmm. before things were going to need to change somewhere. Yeah. And so I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't immediately go into panic mode, but it was, it was mm -hmm. clear that like things weren't skills and rainbows. So when mm -hmm. this opportunity to sell came along, it was honestly a blessing in disguise. Um, because we weren't going to make it much longer. Okay. Um, and so that was a really long way of answering okay. your question. <laughs> okay. So you were, you were in um, South America and you did, you chose not to go with remote year because I chose not to go with remote year. Okay. Correct. Okay. So but you're like, I'm going to do my yeah. own remote year. Yeah. And exactly. okay. Okay. So yeah. But, okay. So go ahead. No, I just, I, I want to highlight this because it kind of comes back full circle. Um, so I kept meeting these like three guys. So I did um, Buenos Aires to Valparaiso, didn't last there too long. So I went to Brazil, um, then Lima and then Medellin. And in uh, four of those five cities, I kept running into the same three guys, whether it was like okay. co-working or just like random places. After a while, I was like, are these, is this how like taken four happens like, like <laughs> and what had happened was like I had inadvertently selected the same trajectory as a remote year program that had just launched that January oh, so the okay. guys that I had a meeting were part of remote year and I, like oh. I, we always had, had like great conversations they were like really smart like one of them was also in like AI and like I just like what cool humans like what are the chances I keep running into these cool humans everywhere and they were all part of familiar. So okay. that's awesome. 
that's the way to do it. That's that we we the first people we met in Medellin were remote year people too. Yeah. And we we never even considered doing remote year, but we still yeah. got our way into yeah. you know that circle. So that's yeah, the way to do it. It's fun, right? I mean, going to these big digital nomad cities, you know, like uh, either remote year or hackers paradise. There'll be a lot of people part of that group, right. so it's just yeah. like easy to to show up and and become part of that group and and be friends for with sure. all of them. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. The tribe is already waiting for you. Right. <laughs> so now, like your your decision, I know you mentioned like the the prices of apartments in New York and Baltimore being just ridiculous. Was that your only reason to become remote, or were there other reasons that were driving you to become remote and travel more? So there were other factors, but I think the simplest answer is mm-hmm. I'm from a large family. I'm the youngest and the only girl. Um, I'm also the only non-formal engineer in my family. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, growing up and just how my parents taught us to think about things, whether it's a problem or an idea or whatever, it was very like intentional, like very systematic, not like robotic, but mm-hmm. just like uh, one of my like favorite. An engineer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he like knows all about that. Right? Yeah. Engi- formal engineer here. <laughs> Like my favorite laptop sticker, uh, I think it's from from M Particles. Who's like a other way? It says, uh, "Data rules everything around me." That's like a play on yeah, rules everything. Around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's honestly how I operate, right? So I've had journals, and I always have like, you know, the front page. Like these are my values. Like these mm-hmm. are my non-negotiables. Like this is the t- like I I really work through those things, and I had a list at the time of what I called one days. And so basically, if you've ever read um, Tim Ferriss's uh, Four Hour Work, I guess we have. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, he talks about like dreamlining. So, like, yeah. all, like, what are all the things you want to have, you want to be, you want to do, some, some mm-hmm. version of that? My brain works a little differently. So, my association with those words weren't exactly like I got mm-hmm. what he was saying, but in terms of a mantra, I kind of consolidated into my yeah days mm. and a like half of the things on there had to do with traveling mm-hmm. it's like nice. i'm gonna serve the mexican pipeline like i'm gonna like stay in a hotel room where i can wake up and see the eiffel tower i'm gonna mm-hmm. like all of the different things that i'm nice. maybe i love how specific they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, one day hopefully i'm gonna have yeah. the time or the resources or the energy to do these things yeah. And so as I was making, like, trying to make this decision, I actually came across this journal. Because, as I mentioned, we moved from Boston to New York. And so, like, kind of like unpacking ish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like looking through this journal and I'm like, you know, like, see Iguazu. Um, because when I was living in Brazil and undergrad, Brazil and the US had like a really shitty relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, not Brazil and uh, Argentina and mm-hmm. the US had a really shitty relationship. So, everyone said the best side to see. Um, Iguazu Falls was the Argentinian side mm-hmm. and so the visa to get over there for Europeans was free and for Americans it was like 280 fucking dollars because mm-hmm. they were like fuck you America <laughs> like <laughs> so I never got to see the Iguazu I lived in Brazil for a year and a half and I never so like little things like that right yeah that's awesome and so I kind of had this list in front of me and it was like just like a perfect timing of just being in a different headspace where I wasn't mm-hmm. um, meaning less in my head and more in my heart I saw this list. I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like, dude, I could, even if it, even if it's a a social experiment, I could buy a flight, get an apartment in Palermo, Soho, and have enough money for like worst case scenario, return flight home from Buenos Aires. And it would still be fucking cheaper than a month of rent in Boston. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the moment when I was like, you know what? Like there's absolutely no, like, what do I have to lose by like going out there and just following my heart and doing it? And the answer was nothing because it would have been the same money to pay and to stay in, you know? So that was kind of like that moment for me of like, why, like tomorrow's not not guaranteed. So Mm -hmm. tomorrow never comes, I guess, is the expression. So basically, once I had that epiphany, there was no mm-hmm. 
turning back. It was just like, there's definitely a switch when you go from like living by default, like, Oh, I'll be in Boston because like it makes sense right now, but not necessarily because you're in love with the city and it's your dream home or I don't know, or or you look at your list, your dream line. And that was a big thing for us as we realized that like everything on there had nothing to do with what we were doing at the time. Like whether it was our jobs or how we spent our free time or how we spent our money, like nothing that was on there was indicative of what we wanted in the future. So yeah, I, I totally get that mindset, totally get the epiphany. Yeah. As I mentioned, you know, being the youngest and the only girl, I have like a pretty solid network of, of elders, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and for a little bit more context, uh, my brother, who is the middle child, um, he had also started a company out of school um, when he's young. Um, and that company was a mobile ordering software company. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, that company is now Grubhub. Um, oh, cool. <clears throat> so my brother retired at like 26. Nice. Um, <laughs> he's nine years my senior. And so I, the reason I mention this is, is one thing I think is really important to highlight both as an entrepreneur, but also as a like trailblazer. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have, have that family, but also the sibling who kind of like blazed the trail of like, mm-hmm. there are more than, there is more than one way to do things. Mm-hmm. There's more That's than awesome. one way to be successful. And so he kind of, kind of bore the brunt, like the stress from like my parents of like, are you sure? Are you good? And my parents and obviously did very well by, you know, investing in this company and things like that. So by the time I came along with my unorthodox ideas, they're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. It was more accepted. That's, that's great. Yeah. Cause sometimes I think acceptance or if it's like cultural traditions at play or just a whole host of things, different people can face different reactions from their networks and support systems. And I think we, we forget how important that is to to have in our lives. Yeah. It's hard to do like, you know, so depending on how dramatic one's mother is, like one of my friends told me that uh, when she made the declaration that she wanted to, you know, move out and do nomad for a year, her mother said, uh, like, you're breaking my heart. Like, mm. yeah, this is, you know, like, I'm like, that is a fucked up thing to say. I mean, like, I guess say what you mean, but like, what a way to like that. Imagine having that weight on your shoulders, having mm-hmm. to make a decision of like what makes me happy or but will break my mother's heart <laughs> or, yeah. you know, imagine the pressure too. Right. Cause you have to be like, no, no, like it's okay, mom, I'll be good. I'll be fine. I'll yeah. do it. I'll make the money. Um, and then that added pressure if you yeah. have to fail. Yeah. When I told my parents about it, like the, the plan for this year and quitting my job and traveling, they were like, I was just going to turn into some broke hippie just backpacking around the world with no yeah they money. didn't get it yeah they <laughs> didn't get it they They're eventually like, came around so but like their they first were reaction so was like yeah they were like so you're gonna like be a broke hippie yeah. now <laughs> like they just did because a lot of people don't know you're either like super wealthy and you can travel forever or you're like a broke backpacker and i think right. a lot of people don't realize like what this awesome space yeah yeah so right. and it's also like the cultural that cultural barrier um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when your parents are not like as when you when your parents are or you are a you know, first generation American they have mm-hmm. these such strong ideals of like why would you ever want to leave America yeah. like, mm-hmm. America exactly the best my country. parents said like, that yeah you're, <laughs> you're going to go to Brazil you're going to get shot I'm like you're like what <laughs> you are from you know it's it's, it's um, this whole other like, um, I got LASIK when I was in Colombia and oh, oh yeah, I remember when you got there, like, where is her coming? We're sending Jordan down now. Like, don't make any of <laughs> my brother. I'm like, the surgery's over. It went great. Yeah. I spent a quarter of what I want to spend in America. Yeah. I can now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so catch us up. Um, so now you have like all this time at your disposal, you just sold your company, you kind of have a rough idea of your itinerary. Um, what what kinds of things did you do next? So one of the things that I love the most about um, nomading with intention was mm-hmm. like knowing 
the things that I enjoy or like get taking the time to get clear on the things that I enjoy and that I didn't enjoy things that I excelled at and things that I struggled with mm-hmm. both within my own company, but also in living abroad. And so part of my like daily routine was when I would be in the co-working spaces in different cities, like trying to go to as many events as possible and just learn what different people were working on. And sometimes it was like, it's a bedazzler for like your pets leash. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But sometimes they're working on like really cool shit. You know, like um, I met a couple who was working on um, like using real time VR to help people train um, in their homes, like like exercise wise, Mm. exercise wise. And it would mirror what you're doing and help you correct your form. So Mm. let's say you're you're, um, doing some bicep curls, but your elbows are out. It would be able to pick up on the fact that your elbow is not where it needs to be and help you make those modifications awesome. and you can train properly. I'm like, that's fucking cool. How can I help yeah. you be successful? Like that's something that like the world needs. So mm-hmm. kind of trying to find people who I vibed with, you know, just as humans, but we're also working on cool stuff and seeing if, mm-hmm. you know, like let's meet for coffee. Maybe there's something in one of the pain points that you're currently stuck at or mm-hmm. some issue that, based on my experiences, you know, I could help you overcome before, you know, mm-hmm. off to the city. Um, and so that's what I would do in the different, um, you know, in each city. And I started to kind of identify this like sweet spot of like something that I was really good at that most people, most consultants struggled with. Um, mm-hmm. And that was understanding specifically companies that are, or yeah, companies that worked in, complicated technology so mm-hmm. what i would call a emerging tech um mm-hmm. that point of transition or the, that point of optimization between um product iteration and team building because mm-hmm. it's really hard we're looking at okay we raised around we've got this lump sum of money mm-hmm. we are working in this space that is incredibly competitive like there's no such so thing as an idea you know like yeah. no matter what it is no matter how innovative you think it is it's like I guarantee someone thought of it. Like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, having to really be on top of like, how do we maintain our competitive advantage? How do we keep growing and iterating, but understanding that you can't go it alone. Cause that was Mm -hmm. a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. It's like, Oh, if I don't bring anyone else on, I can save a little bit more money for our developers. Mm -hmm. And it does, it's not like, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and so once I identified that was kind of like my special spot or my niche, um, I had made enough friends along the road that I started to get, you know, like DM'd or people I hadn't met, but like, Hey, um, mm-hmm. I met Maria and Medellin and she mentioned that you helped her with, you know, this, um, building out her roadmap for team building and my company's in a similar place. I was wondering mm-hmm. if, you know, you'd be willing to, to, to work with me in that regard. And thus, the fit founder was born. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is so awesome. I I think that's like, that is so cool when when it unfolds naturally like that. Like when there's that intersection between what you like and what you're good at. And you don't Mm -hmm. have to have it all planned out. Especially when it comes to like uh, the gray area of being a consultant or being some sort of specialist or strategist or develop like non-tech developer. But like things of that nature, I feel like it's always best like cultivated and learned in the field. So one thing I want to ask really quick is in this digital nomad space, there's a lot of really smart people who are networking, who are like discussing things together. Did you just originally start doing that for like free or did you like, how did that work? Cause I know that can be like kind of a, a question. A lot of people ask It's like, at what point does it stretch beyond friendship and casual networking? And am I like doing real work, adding real value to their company? Good. That's a really good question. Um, And I, I didn't really follow any roadmap on this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to preface that with this might not be a universal path. Um, One of the assets that I came away with from um, my accelerator program was like a pretty strong social following Um, So the founder of the Accelerator program was this awesome guy, awesome human. Um, His name is Gerard Adams, and he was one of the co-founders of Elite Daily, which is like a millennial publication. Um, So his personal brand is like the millennial mentor, kind of like this idea of like leaders create leaders. So like if I 
have all the success in the world and don't teach someone else how to also get here, then my life mm-hmm. be for not for not. Yeah. Um, so that's that was already his his mission, I guess. Um, and my company and one other company, um, we were the first two females to come through that accelerator program. Oh. So we were fortunate enough to like really be everywhere and on everything, like all of Gerard's like Instagram posts and stories and she was speaking on stage, she'd bring one of us. Um, and so I went from like never using Instagram to like gaining my first 15,000 followers in like a couple of months, like literally just doing like, this is a time lapse of me working in this cafe today. <laughs> like, people like, fuck yeah, like kill the day, you know, just because there are its followers that want to just, you know, want, that's the life they live, like that hustle until you make what you want to happen, happen. Mm-hmm. So when it came to building out um, the Fit Founder, it actually started off as more of a brand. So my idea okay. was I'm going to work in some personal projects until I figure out what's next because I had a little bit of, of financial leeway. Um, and so I, I was fortunate enough to ha- be able to do that. It wasn't super strapped mm-hmm. for cash. Um, and so the idea was to build like a space to support digital nomads across three verticals, which is um, like mental health, um, like physical health, and like professional health. Mm -hmm. So by balancing these three pillars, you know, we can maintain and sustain this lifestyle for much longer. Mm -hmm. So I started writing a lot of content about just anything in those three uh, verticals that really spoke to me. So like Mm -hmm. how to work out from anywhere, like Mm -hmm. how to balance your meals when you're in Budapest and they don't sell vegetables. And so when it came to monetizing the business, I, I kind of looked at it from a different perspective. Um, because I have always fundamentally believed that like add value first mm-hmm. and the rest will follow. And it sounds so cheesy, I know, but like that's literally what, what mm-hmm. happened because, and, it, and it's not always how you expect for it to come, for it to work out. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, when I left Medellin, my next country was Budapest and I had worked with a, a, a startup in Medellin, they're working on something with uh, blockchain. That was probably mm-hmm. one of my most mentally demanding ventures. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys, like his brother, had a flat in Budapest that he was like going to, I don't know, somewhere else in Europe and it was going to be empty. And so by just working with these guys and not even coming into it with like, okay, what can I get from you? Just like genuinely mm-hmm. having that mindset of like, how can I help? Yeah. Like people pick up on that and like people want to help people that are good people, I guess. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm like mother Teresa, mm-hmm. um, but long story short, that relationship ended up turning into how I got my housing in Budapest. Yeah. Like, like, I love <laughs> that. I love that. Cause it can pay off in other ways that, I mean, that saves you money. That's just like getting paid for that project, but it was a, a gesture right. of like goodwill. Exactly. Um, yeah, so you've touched on like the fit founder and these key parts that you've that revolve around the essence of if we're talking about it as a brand. So I want to get into that a bit more because we've talked about some of the the tactical things like budgeting um, and finding a place and deciding where to go. But I think a key part that really ties it all together is what you're talking about is that yeah. balance is being fine tuned into your intuition. And yourself. And, and yeah, and the three pillars you mentioned, mm-hmm. right? So so what do you think makes sense or what is required to sustain this lifestyle? Ooh, ooh <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I think there's a, a couple of answers to this question that all kind of fall under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll call that umbrella like social intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think technically speaking under the term social intelligence there's five pillars I remember it as M-E-S cubed because without EQ your life would be a mess (laughs) 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 I'm going to be a kindergarten teacher one day with my great Uh, my great quips Um, those five pillars are essentially uh, motivation um, empathy self-awareness self-regulation and social awareness um and the two that i focused on 
the hardest and the most intently first were around the self-awareness and the self-regulation. Because I think that in order to sustain a life or lifestyle as a digital nomad, you have to be crystal clear on what it is that you want. So going back Mm -hmm. to like my journals and like, who am I? Like, what are my mantras? What do I want people to say about me when I'm gone? You know, if you are someone that knows, like, you know, one day I want to, like, be a housewife and, like, you know, coach my child's, like, little league soccer team or something. If that is, like, your ultimate, like, once I achieve that, my life Mm -hmm. is complete. You have to think about the actions and the decisions that you're making now and be Mm -hmm. real with yourself and say, are these decisions, are these actions getting me closer to that ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that for a lot of digital nomads, unfortunately, um, as the industry, I guess, first started to grow, the idea of being able to just leave the country and start over was mm-hmm. enough yeah. catalyst for a lot of people to make that jump without yeah. really thinking through what the, short, medium, and long-term goals Mm -hmm. were, or they were fleeing what were really internal things Mm -hmm. that maybe manifested as external, like, you know, a bad relationship or um, losing your job or something. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe that bad relationship was because you were with someone, uh, you know, who didn't love you because you didn't love yourself. Mm -hmm. So you moving to a different country is not going to change the fact that you don't right. yet know how to love yourself. Yeah. So there's all of these little um, things, these like symptoms of a bigger problem. And so the first thing that I think is important to um, sustaining the lifestyle is getting clear and like why you're doing it in the first place and mm-hmm. having like a non-negotiable like contract with yourself of mm-hmm. like, Mm, these are my stopping rules. I mean, it can be as detailed or as high level as, um, you know, works for your brain. But like for me, I have a list of situations or of things that influence every decision that I make as a digital nomad. Mm -hmm. So like an example of one of these rules is I will never make a decision that worst case scenario I will not be able to get myself out of. Mm-hmm. So when I was living in Brazil the first time, I met a guy. He's really cool, really just like everything. Um, and he invited me to come to Paris with him. And I was like, I've never been to Paris. That could be kind of cool. <laughs> and, and for context, you know, I was studying abroad. I was like 19, so I was extra young and like risk it. I'm like, Paris, it's gonna be so cool. Like I, but I realized, okay, this could be so cool. Worst case scenario, do I have the means to get myself back to Brazil yeah. or back? Or home? it's taken for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or taken oh, for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that seems to be a theme in my life. Um, but, but basically, when I was honest with myself, I realized that worst case scenario, if this went south, I would need my parents to bail me out. Mm-hmm. And that violated one of my rules. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, if you want to go try this or do this, or but you can't expect anyone else to pay for the decisions that you make. Absolutely. No, no, that's that's perfect. And that's amazing. Um, I think with those stopping rules and and even like with with not being able to get yourself out of a situation, it's a principle, right? Because it sounds like you have really cool and accepting parents. If they need to bail you out, I'm sure they would if they had to like, um, but it's the principle of the matter that you want to be this autonomous person who is responsible for your own decisions. So do you ever, you know, when you're in a place and sometimes like we're on a roll, we've just read a book, we're journaling every day and we feel badass and we feel so in touch with like ourself and our own motivation and we're not all perfect. And it sounds like you have this unlock more than most people, certainly more, more than I do at the beginning of this. Um, but when you, how do you reel yourself back in, right? Because we all make 
choices that are maybe contrary to our long-term goal, whether we want to hit the best month of sales we've had, but we're going out and partying because we met some new friends. And that's a tough, it sounds like such a first you know, world problem, but it's, it is a tough decision to make when you're on the ground to always have that perspective. Like it's Friday night. Do I want to play into the social part of this experience or the business part? And sometimes you make the wrong move and sometimes you make the wrong move for like a week. Um, so how do you check back in with yourself and reel it back in when maybe you've gotten sidetracked? Well, I think the the first word that comes to mind for me is this concept of self-forgiveness. The use of, you know, self-forgiveness is this idea of like, no matter what, I'm going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. there's a good chance that those mistakes are going to affect other people. But at the end of the day, I can't go back in time. All I can do is learn from the experience and, and just try to be better. Like, so kind of like this idea of like, if nothing else, I will go to bed each day wiser than I was when I woke up. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing is like not being so hard on yourself because we as digital nomads, like we're fucking trailblazers. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, there are it's people tough. who yeah. like, you know, expats maybe 20 years ago, but we're not expats. Like we still have family at home. We still, or we're not like, oh, now I just live in Costa Rica. Like that's an expat. We are on a whole different plane. So there's no rule book for this shit. So all we can do Mm -hmm. is learn through trial and error. So like for me, that's so true. like it manifests in different ways. Like I've had to learn the hard way that some cities don't serve me. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're just energetically, we do not mesh whether the, the people there are, are not, um, and obviously it's really hard to generalize a whole city, yeah. but as any nomad knows, like a lot of nomad cities have like a vibe, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, totally. the, yeah, you know, Chiang Mai versus Medellin versus like, um, I don't know, like Budapest, Budapest or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Also, and, and being able to have that awareness of like, this is not s- serving me. So as I mentioned, right. my first four months in South America, I was living in Valparaiso in Chile. Mm-hmm. And a week and a half in, you know, like just my walks to co-working, I felt like I was always looking over my shoulder. They had like, mm-hmm. a, um, at the time we're dealing with the big opioid problems, like watching people like huff and pain and, and like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, my parents grew up in Baltimore. Like I've seen some shit, yeah. but for where I was, where my business was, that just was not an environment that I needed to be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I made the call. Um, I reached out to a few of my friends that I, um, you know, knew lived in South America. Um, one of my couple friends living in Rio, they're like, yo, come to Rio and it's carnival. <laughs> like, Rio's great. Yeah. Come on over. <laughs> like, yeah. And so that kind of ties into the whole, like, I do think that when you give yourself a space to like, listen to your gut, like the universe has got your fucking back, dude. Like I couldn't even ask for like a better situation. Mm -hmm. But the second I said to myself, like, this this is not where I need to be. How, how do I make this better? And then like the path just like spread like the waters of of Moses. Um, So (laughs) I think, you know, a, a big thing there is just giving yourself room to try and fail. And absolutely, you, yeah. yeah. don't make the same mistake twice or try to not make the yeah. same mistake twice. Um, and also being honest with yourself about your weaknesses, um, mm-hmm. or, or like your opportunities for growth, we'll call yeah. it. You know, so if you're someone that really struggles of saying no to, I mean, if I can speak super candidly, you know, I have friends that, um, won't that love Colombia, love Medellin, but won't come back because they know, you know, they're dealing with or recovering from, you know, substance abuse problems and mm-hmm. the ease mm-hmm. of getting cocaine and, and Medellin was just too, too much for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm so like honored to call you a friend. Like that is some boss ass. Like, Great insight. Right. To make, yeah. To, to know yourself that well. So to have that self-awareness and mm-hmm. that self-regulation to allow that awareness to influence the decisions that you're mm-hmm. making so that you can continue in your growth process. Right. And then and it, one thing that's so great about this digital nomad mm-hmm. lifestyle is the, the idea that you can make changes, right? You're not mm-hmm. stuck in a job where you have to show up every day. When you have that mindset that you can learn to forgive yourself and make the changes you need to do, 
you have a flexible lifestyle, whether it's like right. you, you said mm -hmm. that you needed to move to a different city, you can, or if you want to change your work schedule where you want to work, you know, in the evenings instead of mornings, this lifestyle kind of is great for that mm -hmm. mindset and being able to make those changes yeah. so you can optimize what works best for you. And it helps you be curious too, yeah. right? Because I think sometimes we can like, like you said, ignore the problem at hand, even when the universe is kind of throwing you little signs like, Hey, this isn't a great place for you. Hey, you're kind of scared every day. Like, Hey, this is like really bad energy. And we just ignore it until we freak out yeah. um, right. or take it super personally. Like what's wrong with me? I can't make this work I don't here. Understand why, why can't I stop crying? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I'm just an asshole. Why am I fighting with people every day? Like why, you know, just, it's so easy to internalize that stuff. But when you look at your life as like an experiment to work towards those goals, like you said, you have to have them first, Right. then it can all be like, Ooh, okay. i I'm like kind of feeling weird, but I also just changed my schedule from day to night. Maybe yeah. I'm just not meant to work at night and I can just not do that anymore and it'll solve it. One thing you said that I found so powerful in our first discussion is when you're running towards something versus running away from something, it makes it so much clearer. And for you, you were running towards like a good situation for yourself and your business and not running away from like, that city itself, right. you were just had something else in mind. And I think that can be super helpful because we do attack ourselves like, oh, I'm just an asshole. I'm judgmental of these paint sniffers or I'm like, <laughs> I'm not tough enough to handle this or all of these other crazy things that we tell ourselves before being like, yo, this just isn't my vibe. Yeah. It doesn't work for right. me here. Yeah. No, and a word that you use that is like so crucial is, is um, experiments. Um, and that is, I think, something I definitely want to highlight is like I live my life as a series of experiments. Um, mm -hmm. So I will set a hypothesis and then I just test it. Um, yeah. So as it stands, I work three days a week. I work Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And those three days, I work 12 hour days. Mm -hmm. um, I usually fast on those three. So they're like my, like, cyborg days mm -hmm. because I, like I learned the hard way that like my brain when I'm in it like I am in it and it's not like from a place of like uh, I feel guilty if I don't if I stop working or like mm -hmm. oh I have too much to get done and it's just like how it's how my physiology just works I don't know and so I did a, a two-week experiment of working three days a week on like business stuff and then using Tuesdays and Thursdays for like personal development. So that's when mm -hmm. I'm like reading, working on like my Japanese, like having two hour conversations with my mom, like all of that internal intrinsic stuff. And then on the other days are my grind days. And after two weeks, I was like, holy fuck, I will never go back, <laughs> you know? Awesome. Um, so just an, an example of, of not awesome. having to like dive blind into things, but just being able to say, you know, I feel like if I were closer to water or something, you know, just like this, whatever pops into your mind, like just test it, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. like you know, um, nothing is permanent, but. So right. do you ever, two of the most challenging parts of being a digital nomad is the decision fatigue um, and the guilt or the like things hanging over your head when you can work all the time, when you, right. I think a lot of people have a misconception that when your schedule is yours to create, that you're like hitting the beach and <laughs> hanging out and like learning Japanese. And like when we first were going to Colombia, we're like, he's going to be in Spanish lessons. We're going to like become salsa experts. We're also going to build thriving businesses yeah, and make was, a ton of friends yeah. and like party. And we're just like, wait, what? We just completely <laughs> overloaded our schedule. Yeah. How are we possibly going to do all of these things? And then there's always that guilt of like, well, I could be working right now, but I kind of love your approach of you have your three days and you have your time and you don't allow distractions in during those times. Right. Um, and the other days are yours to do other things because we all need to do other things. Yeah, we can't, you need that we've learned, we, we've tried to work all the time and we can't work all the time. 
Right. Um, it all ties back to that concept of, you know, that self-awareness or that the EQ, um, or like being able to accept like your optimal. And again, like the self-forgiveness portion mm-hmm. of it, because sometimes your optimal may be so at odds with like everything that you once thought, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like whatever conditioning you may have, you may realize that you're actually so far outside of that realm of comfort that like a part mm-hmm. of you feels guilty. Like yeah. I, one of my greatest like vices is like, I really like to watch history documentaries. Mm. Um, Hell like, yeah. Like, I love <laughs> history documentaries. <laughs> like, it's like one of my three subscriptions is a like, curiosity stream. And I'm like, Hmm, how did the Celts help save the, the, the British <laughs> empire? Like, yes, I do want to learn more about that. And so I find that like some, like, depending on the type of work I'm doing, sometimes throwing in a documentary and I'll just like, I'll mention some general or some battle or some, and I'll go down this like rabbit hole technically in my work time. And then like, I don't know how it happens, but it will just somehow like the solution to something that I've been thinking about, but couldn't quite find the answer for will just pop into my head. Nice. And like, it's happened enough times. Like it's documentary time. Mm -hmm. Even though in my head, I always was taught that like when you're working, no distractions, no, 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 no. But here I am, like, I can't explain it. But I do know that, like, watching these, like, battle documentaries just makes my brain think differently. And sometimes it helps solve problems. Like, you work while watching documentaries? Like, so basically, whether it's creative work, whether it's client work, sometimes I'm just doing, like, design work. And I'll just feel my brain kind of starting to lose its its juice. Mm -hmm. Historically, that would be the time where I would go work out. But as Mm -hmm. I've gotten older, I'm finding that my my body is react responds a little bit differently to like mm-hmm. mid-afternoon workouts where it just mm-hmm. really takes a lot out of me and so i'll just put on there's a channel on youtube it's called kings and generals and they okay. literally just like recount battles from like the beginning of like recorded history of like how how genghis khan like moved these troops strategically or it's just like some like guy made it on his computer you just watch these like legions mover and like that is brilliant like (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome you can learn a lot from his that's amazing (laughs) no i love that so as we kind of begin to wrap up i would love to ask you like if someone is listening to the words that you're saying and are just like fuck yeah i want that like that type of awareness and intuition and all of that sounds great. Sign me up. Um, but they're like all frazzled or they don't even know if they have that goal or they're not even sure. How would you like, are there any resources or exercises that you would recommend people to get started, to get those juices flowing? Well, obviously shameless plug. The first thing they can do is come to my website and schedule <laughs> a free uh, 30 minute consult um, where I think oh, it really, yeah. It's one of those things where it definitely helps to talk through a lot of this stuff. I mentioned earlier the Socratic method, another documentary I watched the other day that's really fascinating. Um, but, you know, being able to have someone whose only objective is to help you get more clear on what you're mm-hmm. really thinking about. Because a yeah. lot of the times I'll have conversations with people who are interested in nomading and they'll say, you know, I want adventure. And I'll say, yeah. okay, what, what does adventure mean to you? Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you know, just not structure, just everything's different, everything's new, adventure. I'm like, oh, okay, so you want spontaneity? Or mm-hmm. like, like, you know, like kind of just like helping them really unpack what is the root of what they're mm-hmm. trying to say. I think, you know, in this day and age, and it's slowed down a little bit, which I'm honestly really happy about but this whole idea of like the uh lifestyle brand lifestyle by design i think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people selling this vision of like this can be yours too if you're hot enough or like you know yeah (laughs) and it's like that's just not at all how it works right um so i think the first thing uh the very first step is taking the time to invest in really getting to know who you are like so being able to have like your personal 
like a mantra. It's like, mm-hmm. this is who I am. Like, this is what I'm about. And this is how I define the blank experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the blank being like your name. Yeah. So this is something that I use to kind of help me keep in check, like the continuity of mm-hmm. me being authentic about who I am. Um, yeah. I have what's defined as like the Taylor experience, which is basically when I meet someone, whether it's like a passing a stranger on a street or, or like a potential husband, what are like the three things that I want that person to come away from um, their interaction with me mm-hmm. with? Yeah. How that's, do I want yeah, that's them great. to feel? How do I want mm-hmm. them? So like my three words are like uh, validated, like empowered and mm-hmm. like unstoppable, which is kind yeah. of like empowered, but it's more of like a, <laughs> I just felt strong enough to me that I say I use them as two separate yeah. things. And so, yeah, I guess the umbrella answer there is just leaving your physical environment is not going to change who you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can be honest with yourself about that. What do you hope to gain from changing your, your physical mm-hmm. environment? Right. And like how, like, how do you imagine that unfolding? Like literally close your eyes and like visualize, like what is this lifestyle that you mm-hmm. are consciously trying to create? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your amazing insight. We're going to ask you like our rapid round like yeah, that questions we that our- we ask <laughs> all of our guests. Yeah. Um, so they're just like quick, fun ones. Um, the first one, do you want to say that? Yeah. So one? you did mention, you know, some places that don't have the right energy and you don't feel right. So how about some of the cities that you feel are not a good fit for you and the ones that are a good fit? For sure. Um, as I mentioned, Valparaiso <laughs> in Chile mm-hmm. That's in it. Yeah. was uh, not, not the best not fit. The for um, Budapest took some time, mm-hmm. um, but I understand it. So I think I have, a, I have a, like, at first I was like, I'm never going back. But mm-hmm. after like making some friends from Budapest and understanding their relationship with citizens of the rest of Europe I kind of understand why they hate tourists because like mm-hmm. you know it's a big popular spot for like bachelor and bachelorette parties from the UK mm-hmm. and people are disrespectful and pissing on buildings like okay so now when I yeah. go to Budapest I know just enough Hungarian to be pleasant and my experience has completely changed um places that I really enjoy um <laughs> very much um Chiang Mai probably always be my number one i think everything from the expat community the thai community the food's amazing it's affordable um really into like buddhism and buddhist ideals so like Mm -hmm. i always do like a silent retreat when i go out there Mm -hmm. and it's just yeah i feel like my highest self when i'm there yeah (laughs) in an ideal world i'd be able to channel that anywhere but like i'm not quite working on it nice yeah i feel like copenhagen has been kind of similar yeah it's been a very calm place to like channel all our good vibe energy. energy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, the non-full moon festival side of Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah exactly you know the, like <laughs> being here just hanging out yeah. like during quarantine it's been really quiet here and so, so not peaceful. too many tourists no more awesome. full moon parties it's, it's yeah no great. like yeah. drunk crazy people running around pockets yeah. of death oh man <laughs> One, once in a lifetime experience through this one yeah. yeah. Um, how about what is like your can't live without either like tool or product? It's a tough question. I'm torn between my tripod because it's just really convenient for long travel. Like, I like not even just taking pictures, but like when I'm like working or watching Netflix or something, just on a flight or it's just a really mm-hmm. convenient oh, tool. Nice. Yeah. Um, but then I'd also say like my journal, just yeah. because. So handy dandy like, notebook. Yeah. yeah. Literally. I mean, like that thing has some has some secrets, knows where all the bodies are buried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has some dirt. I love I love <laughs> yeah. the power of a notebook. Those are great. And then um, um out of um all the places you've traveled to, what would you say is the most underrated place? Underrated. I'd say Kyoto. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I think like a lot of people have heard of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like if you're going to Japan for like a week or something, like, I mean, Tokyo is like 
It's a, any big city, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to I went to a, a rooftop. I don't know, like. I went to this is like super random, but a rooftop like hot a hot a toddy bar. So not just hot mm-hmm. toddies, but like all these different variations. It was on the sixty cool. somethingth floor of a um, like really posh hotel on a hill. And this is one of my yeah. friends who was working for Netflix in Tokyo. And so it's like, you know, glass all the way around and we're looking, drinking our toddies. And he's like, you want to hear something wild? I was like, yeah. He's like, everywhere that your eye can see is still Tokyo. Oh, dang. Yeah. It's- <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I had been there for like a month at that point. Like, I knew like my own way around like the, the metro and what stop. Like, I, I was like, I, just, I know Tokyo. Mm-hmm. not even yeah. close um yeah. but i think you know kyoto it's a whole nother i mean it was just like me and my little everything smaller in japan so my apartment kind of felt like a little like cruise you know like mm-hmm. cruise, those tiny <laughs> ass little things but I had my bike you know like co-working by the river and just i um i study japanese so like just people just everything the pace of life the yeah the warmth of the people like it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think not a lot of people like, they're like, oh, we're in Japan. Maybe we'll stop by Kyoto. I think it's a destination that's worth like hitting even if you yeah. plan to own. Oh, awesome. Cool. <laughs> and then finally, finally, what are your plans post-COVID? Are you going to hit the road again? Are we going to see you in Portugal? Like what's, ha- what are, what's happening? <laughs> oh, what a question. Um, well, as, um, so my father, uh, is running for public office. Um, he's running to be the mayor of Baltimore, um, this oh, year nice. and, um, he's running as an independent candidate. So the election for him will be in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before I left in January of this year, I made a commitment that like, you know, I'd still had my commitments in Colombia, but by like May or so, I would be back in the States to help with running the mm-hmm. campaign, at least through November. Well, then COVID hit, so then I had to leave Colombia early and like things were really up in the air. Um, going back to the point of like the importance of knowing yourself, like mm-hmm. I have like my three, my three non-negotiables and that at any point in time, I need to be able to either surf <laughs> Uh, play field hockey or practice pole fitness. Those are like nice. physical, like, so when I was in Lisbon, um, I played the club team there. I played uh, the club team in Buenos Aires. Pole studios are pretty easy to find. Yeah. And like, this is that certainly so Puerto Escondido is a great place to surf. Portugal, great place to mm-hmm. surf. So there's a part of me that, um, you know, my friend sent me an article that, um, you know, Portugal is now welcoming tourists with no, mm-hmm. like, really strict quarantine, quarantine yeah. protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I may be spending two weeks in Portugal um, after the 4th of July. We might be in Portugal at that exact time. We're thinking of making Great, that our right? next stop. We're, sure. we're planning our leave from Thailand in like one, you know, we know it's risky. It's part of what you're saying about like kind of everything being an experiment. It's so mm-hmm. safe here. It's so cheap here, but we're like, ready for the next step and Portugal seems like a good next step. So yeah. Where can people find you, follow you, schedule that free consultation with you? Where can they happen upon your online presence? For sure. Um, so my, my Instagram handle is just at Taylor Wallace. That's T A Y L O R W A L L A C E. And like from there, I have, you know, like a link in the bio that will take you to my, my website. You can schedule the consult through that link as well. It's a little bit easier, but the actual URL of my website is www.thefitfounder, all one word, dot com. Nice. Um, and I think the first button you'll see is schedule your consult. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm around and would love to help uh, any digital nomad hopefuls or maybe people who recently went remote during COVID and are now realizing that (laughs) there's some more, more, um, you know, potential paths forward as we move, move through this. Just uh, 
be feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome. 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 Well, thank, well, you, thank you so, so much. much for being on the show. Yeah, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you yeah. for all your great insights. Awesome. Thanks for having gonna me. check out some great. of the things you mentioned. Yeah. Well, awesome. Great. Everyone go follow Taylor and <laughs> check her out. Schedule that consultation and we will <laughs> all right guys that's all for today's episode i know there is so much here to think about make sure you check out taylor we will be providing links to her social media and her website in the description make sure you're also following at your disrupted on instagram and that you check out our blog yourdisrupted.com. if you have questions about this lifestyle or suggestions for future podcast episodes we are always happy to hear from you so please reach out on our instagram all right talk to you later